Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Obadiah. The Old Testament book of Obadiah and only one chapter, so you should easily find chapter 1 once you find it. It is nestled in the Minor prophet section right after the book of Amos and right before the book of Jonah. Now most of you could at least find Jonah. If nothing else, look in the very beginning and find the index and table of contents and find the page number. But we're going to look in the book of Obadiah. Now we had started off by giving a history of what is happening in Obadiah. Understanding that the book of Obadiah is addressed to the nation of Edom. Now Edom comes from the descendants of Esau. And so we took some time to do a character study on the person of Esau on Sunday morning. Which is vital that the book, the Edomites are going to follow after the same character of Esau. How does the Bible describe Esau? That he was a profane man. Meaning he was a very worldly man. That the world profane carries an idea of crossing the border. And that Esau had no care, didn't care about spiritual things. And because he didn't care about spiritual things, he rejected the things of God and wanted to make it on himself. Maybe we could say it this way, he was full of pride. You understand the book of Habakkuk chapter number 2 and verse 4 says <coughs> the idea that the, those that are lifted up uh, shall not be upright, but the just shall live by their faith. And in that chapter, we understand a principle that the opposite of faith is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is pride. And so here you have Jacob who learned to walk with God. It took him a while, but he learned to walk with God. Whereas Esau learned to depend upon himself and was lifted up in pride. And so when it came time where Edom was in trouble, they were in trouble because of their pride. Now with that backdrop and also stalling enough so you could find the book of Obadiah in your Bible. Look with me now in the book of Obadiah starting at verse number 1. The book of Obadiah starting at verse 1 the Bible says this. The vision of Obadiah thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord. And an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the cleft of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle... And though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? 
If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. And they that eat thy bread hath laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Teoman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he should become a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gates of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of calamity, nor have laid hands on on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of his distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as thou ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, as they have not been, as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions and the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau for stubble and they shall kindle in them and devour them and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau for the Lord hath spoken it and they of the south shall possess Mount Esau and they of of the plain of the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of his host of the people of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Serevrad, shall possess the cities of the south. The Savior shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we would find several different times throughout this scripture? But notice in verse number 17, where it refers to the house of Jacob. Once again, in verse 18, the house of Jacob. And as we had talked about the house of Esau last time, now we're going to look 
at the other side and see the house of Jacob. The house of Jacob. And with the Lord's help, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And again, I thank you for energizing me, for uh, establishing me, for helping me, Lord. And I'm asking that you would help now. That you would just open up my mouth, open up my mind, open up my thoughts. That you could use them as you see fit. That we could get across And that we can see the promise that you gave concerning your people Israel. And that we would be on the right side of matters. And that we would receive the blessing and not the curse. I'm asking that you would help us to understand how important this passage truly is in all of world history, even to today. And that you would help us. Lord, fill me with your spirit now. And you get your own work accomplished today. Do something eternal in our church because of this message. Thank you that we could trust you in this. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin, let's kind of walk through the book of Obadiah and then pull out an application. The first thing I'd like to bring to you, to your attention, is the doom of Edom. The doom of Edom. And again, we've kind of described a little bit, but we'll go back in here and see some more. The first thing I want to bring to your attention here when we talk about the doom of Edom is the doom described. The doom described. Notice with me as we begin at verse number one. The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. So we have the people of address. This minor prophet is addressing the people of Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord. And an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. Now as he's addressing Edom, notice how the Lord is delivering this message. He's speaking to Edom. I have made thee, Edom, small against the heathen. (laughs) You're nothing compared to the great empires of the world. You're nothing compared to your neighbors. You're small and thou art greatly despised. (laughs) You may think that you have friends, but you don't. People hate you. They're despised. Verse number three, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. And thou that dwellest in the cleft of the rock. Now we start here and we can see that the heart of Edom's sin was pride. Now Edom is located in the southeast side of the Dead Sea. Now the pride of Edom could be pictured in the city of Petra. Petra was an entire city that was carved out of rock and into a mountain. Now can you imagine? Most people would have cities that could burn. But it's hard to burn down a mountain. Some people would have cities that could easily be toppled over. But it's hard to topple down the side of a mountain. And so their entire city is built out of rock. Who can destroy us? Who can push us over? Who can destroy us? Even more. The main approach to Petra was in what is called the Valley of Moses. The valley with its branches extends 4,500 feet. Long, And on its flank on either side are sandstone cliffs. So an invading army would have to wiggle around and continue in these cliffs before they would even see the city. And of course during this time that's nothing but a death trap that anybody 
over the side of the mountains. They say the way that it's wiggled in, the way that the army would have to secure in, that just 15 people can hold back an entire army because of the way that it is set up. And that the army would have to be on the base in order to get to the city. But the archers could stand on the top of the cliff and hold it back and make it just a death trap for anyone that came in. So if you could imagine the pride, who's going to come invade us? Who would want to? We're in the middle of the rocks. Who's going to take us over? Who can destroy us? We can defend our own land. You could just sense the pride that these folks had. The, the pride is even pictured by this city of Petra. In addition, there were very lucrative trade routes that would go through Edom. That in order to go through Egypt, to go to Samaria, a lot of these um, trade routes would go through Edom. If they wanted to go to Egypt to Babylon or Egypt to Assyria, they would have to go through Edom. Now the Edomites would often act as pirates. So here's a caravan that's coming through and the Edomites pop up and say, Listen here, to tr- pass our territory, there's a tax. And by the way, if you don't want to pay your tax, then we'll just take everything. And so any trade route that came through would know that they would have to pay off these pirates and the bandits. And then the Edomites would go and fill their caves up with treasures. And it would be full of treasures hidden all throughout the caves. They would be hidden in the back. They would be hidden in this alcove. They'd be hidden behind this rock. And they just filled the caves of all of the place with treasures and wealth from both the east and from the west. They had it all. Notice as the Bible goes through. In verse number 3, the pride of thy heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me to ground? Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence I will bring thee down, saith the Lord. Notice in verse number 5, now it's time for the Edomites to pay. They've been taking the money and taking it as bandits and pirates from all these people from a long time. Notice as the roles get reversed in verse 5. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers come to thee, would they not leave some grapes? Now notice this. If somebody was going to come into your house, so let's imagine while you're here today, someone's breaking in your house. Some of you would say, well, they're not going to get much. All right? Well, that may be true. So they go in your house. They're not going to take everything. They're going to take what they want. So when you go there, you're still going to have some silverware. You're still going to have probably a table. You're still going to, there's going to be some things they're going to leave behind. It gives another illustration of uh, grape gatherers. So let's say that it's time to gather grapes and you have all these vineyards of grapes and the grape gatherers go out and no matter how good of a job they do, there's usually some grapes left on the vine. There's something left behind. But God is saying, guess what? I'm so going to completely rob you. There's going to be nothing left. I mean, at least those robbers and other stuff, they leave something behind. I'm, not, I'm taking everything. Notice verse 6. How are the things of Esau searched out? And how are hidden things sought up? Remember I told you that they would take the things they stole and they would stash it and they would hide it and they would put it in little places all throughout the mountain city. 
God says, I'm going to take everything. I know where everything's hidden. I know every secret place. We're taking it all. Because you wanted to act full of pride, I'm taking it all. There's going to be nothing left. Notice as he goes on in verse number 7. All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. And they that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. And there is no understanding with him. (coughs) And thy mighty men, O Timon, shall be dismayed. To the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. We're going to cover more of this in just a second. But what it's speaking about is that Edom thought they were friends with all the bad guys, the bullies. So the bullies would pick on Israel. And they thought they were friends with the bullies. They didn't realize that when the bully was done, they were coming for them. And God is saying, hey, all those people you think is friends, they hate you. And as soon as they're done picking on this person over here, they're coming back for you. This is what this passage is speaking about. Uh, Now remember, this is prophecy, but this is also now our history. So they were being warned here. We can go back in history and say, guess what happened and when and where. And we'll give that in a second. So we start off by the doom described. The doom described. Talking about how complete their doom is. Now with it, we talked about the doom delivered. Remember, we start off by talking about the doom of Edom. The doom described. The doom deserved. Notice as we go on in verse number 10. Why does Edom deserve this destruction? Why does God say, I'm going to take everything? I'm going to destroy everything? Notice with me in verse 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shall be cut off Forever. In the day that thou stoodest to the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and the foreigners opened his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. So, in 586 BC, when the Babylonians came, and they were going to destroy Jerusalem, guess who's watching and laughing? Eat them. Ha ha ha. Look at they deserve it. Go ahead Babylonians. You do it. You go. As if that wasn't enough. History repeated itself. And in 70 AD when the Roman uh, general. Who is also going to be a Roman emperor. Titus came. And they came to encircle Jerusalem. Guess what? The remaining Edomites who were still left were saying, Hey, you go get them Titus. You get them. Ha ha. You deserve it. Cheer them on. They did it twice, 586 B.C., 70 A.D., with the Babylonians and with the Romans. Notice as it goes on, verse number 12. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither should thou rejoice over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. This is carrying the idea here that as God is using the rod of chastisement, the rod of the Babylonians to spank his children, Israel, Edom's over there. (laughs) Now remember the relationship between Edom and, and Judah would be the idea of brothers. And so it's the idea that dad's spanking brother and the other brothers laughing publicly in front of him. You can imagine if, if, 
if Judah's getting spanked, that Edom's right in front of him. <laughs> Just getting eyeball to eyeball at him and looking at him as he's... Could you imagine what audacity that is? What pride that is? And he's looking at him and he's laughing. That's what you get. <laughs> you deserve that. Oh, I get, I'm loving this. Get him harder. Don't finish yet. Keep going. Cheering him on. Verse number uh, 12. Uh, 13 rather. Thou shouldest not have entered the gate of the people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not looked upon their affliction in the day of their calamity. Nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Now, if it wasn't enough that they were laughing at this, but they wanted to participate. And in 586 BC, when the Babylonians were surrounding Jerusalem and getting ready to destroy the temple, destroy the walls, the Edomites raise their hand and say, can we help? Can we help? We'd like to get a shot. The Babylonians like, help yourself. So the Edomites went through and began to steal as many things as they possibly could and started to give problems. Then it was repeated 600 years later when the Roman Emperor, um, Roman general Titus, who was to become emperor next, he's surrounding Jerusalem and the Hebrew people get word that the Edomite says, hey, we'll help you. And so the Jewish people said, we need all the help we can get. Sure, come in. The Edomite said, hey, we're going to go help them. Go ahead. And so the Edomites get in and says, guess what? We're here to help. Give me all your stuff. And they robbed them and they sent bands of people to start murdering the Jewish people even before the, the Romans could break through. And God says, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. Notice as it gets worse. You say it gets worse? Absolutely. Verse 14. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those that did escape. So here are the few Jewish people. Maybe it's the Babylonian time. And they escape out of Jerusalem. And they know things are going to be destroyed. So they're trying to leave the area. And as they leave the area, the Edomites cut off the pass and say, What are you doing? You can't go through here. Notice as it gets worse. Neither shouldst thou deliver those up that did remain in the day of stress. So think about this. Here's a mother and her two children. The city of Jerusalem is being destroyed. The Babylonians are breaking through. They have escaped. Maybe through a wall. Maybe through a hidden tunnel. But they come through and a mother has her two little children. And she's trying to keep the tears off. And she's trying to keep an eye on the kids. And so they're escaping with what little possessions they have. And they make the mistake of going through the wrong pass. And as they get to the wrong pass, they arrive and there's an Edomite guards. What are you doing? Nothing. Well, I think you're trying to get away. And so they grab a hold of the mother. They grab a hold of those two children. And they march them to the nearest garrison of Babylonians and said, look at what we found. Can you kill them? And they would take the mother and those two children and they would put them to death. And the Edomites would laugh and say, look, we got some more. Let's see if we could find any others escaping. Because of this, God says, the destruction is coming. They're being destroyed because of their active hatred towards the people of Israel. And by the way, that's exactly 
what occurred. That in 586 BC, the Babylonians destroyed Israel. And then they turned around and said, Hey, you idiomites, since you announced that you have a fighting force and you want to get in the way, they went ahead and destroyed them too. There was a few fragments that remained. And of course, Herod the Great came out of this fragments that remained. And we saw what he did as he tried to kill as many two-year-olds and under as possible trying to get a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he played politics. And then once again in 70 AD, when there was just a few of them left, they volunteered to participate. And as soon as the Romans finished with the Jewish people at Masada, they turned around and finished wiping out the Edomites. Now, of course, the people that are there keep that same heritage today. If Russia was going to declare, we're going to attack Jerusalem, we're going to destroy Israel, all of those people from that region with the same mindset would say, can we help? Can we help? And they would be what taking an active role and trying to help whoever it was to go ahead and destroy Israel once again. So we could see here the doom. The doom of Edom. But then we turn the page and come to the deliverance of Zion. The deliverance of Zion. Oh. In all of these minor prophets. You'll see the same theme. Destruction is coming for Jerusalem. The end is coming. Israel's under attack. There's prophecies that they're going to be wiped out. Prophecies are coming. But at the end of every minor prophet, God says, but that's not the end. And the millennial kingdom, I'm going to bless Jerusalem. And all of these, they come with a millennial kingdom ending that God says, I haven't forgot about them. I'm still going to carry my promises. I still have for something for them. In the end, Edom's going to be wiped out, but Jerusalem's still going to remain. Doesn't matter what happens to those heathen. I'm going to care for my people Israel. I still have a plan. As, we, as it goes through from 17 to 21. It talks about Mount Zion. Remember Mount Zion is the same as Jerusalem. That's the equivalent. But upon Mount Zion. Upon Jerusalem. Shall be deliverance. And there shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Whose possessions? The Edomites and all of their enemies. The house of Jacob shall be a fire. And the house of Joseph, that's Israel. So the house of Jacob in this case is speaking about Jerusalem. And in this case, the house of Joseph, it's actually talking about the northern kingdom of Israel. So it's saying this whole, all those people, the Hebrew people together. And the house of Esau for stubble. And they... Uh, Jacob and Joseph shall kindle them and devour them. And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. For the Lord hath spoken it. And they of the south shall possess Esau. So people of Judah, they're going to possess Esau. And they of the plain of Philistines, they're going to take over what the Philistines had. And they shall possess the, the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. Now Gilead's on the other side of the Jordan. And what it's speaking about, according to prophecy, is that God is going to give Israel all of that land. By the way, if you ever measured out the uh, dimensions of what Jerusalem's going to own, it's pretty much from Egypt to Turkey, from 
part of the Mediterranean Sea all the way over to what we would call Iraq. All of that God's going to give to them. But with that, since God has promised them the land, and he said this is going to happen, we also see throughout the Bible that there are certain promises that God gave for those who blessed Israel. We also know that with it, God also promised cursing for those that cursed Israel. May I show you a few? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Genesis chapter 12. And if you've never marked these promises, these are great promises to have because I want to help your prayer life. And I want to help you get blessed by God. Don't we all want to be blessed by God? Well, let me show you the quickest way to get blessed by God. Genesis chapter 12, we start off with. Of course, Genesis 12 is going to be the calling out of Abram, who we know later on as Abraham, the friend of God. Notice in Genesis chapter 12, and notice with me in verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Notice in verse number 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You understand this promise did not end. This promise still is in effect. And God said everyone that is a blessing to Israel. And specifically thinking of the city of Jerusalem. I'm going to bless. And everyone that curses Israel. Specifically Jerusalem. I am going to curse. You understand we... We cannot divorce this from politics. We know that in our country today, there are people who hate Israel. And they want to support other countries other than Israel. You want to know, America has lots of problems. But you want to know why we're still blessed? Because we've still sided with Israel. And as soon as we finish, this promise no longer applies to us. You understand, during President Obama's idea, stage. They had a plan where they were going to take the borders of Israel, which spanned 47 miles, and they wanted to shrink them down to 17 miles. Now, of course, that didn't quite go off the way that they first imagined, but they always had the embassy in Tel Aviv. And they kept saying, yeah, we'll move it to Jerusalem, but they never did because of the enemies. We're thankful for our last president who stood up and said, listen, God made a promise We bless Jerusalem. God will bless us. We want God's blessings. We're moving the embassy to Jerusalem. And I understand there was a lot of people who hated that. Let me tell you, there are lots of people who hate Israel. Let me tell you, you're under a curse according to the Bible. Let me tell you, God takes this very, very, very seriously. And you say, is that the only place? No, there's a lot more. You might remember there was a man by the name of Balak. And remember, Balak was hired to curse this bunch of people. And he went out to the desert with money in mind. I bless these people. And the king says, what are you doing? I told you to curse them. He says, I can only do what God tells me. Here, let me try again. I I bless these people. What's wrong with you? And finally in Numbers 24, 9, you don't have to turn there, but he said, he crouched, he lay down as a lion, as a great lion, who can stir him up? 
Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. You know, you can't curse what God has blessed. God has blessed these people. Does that mean that Israel's perfect? Absolutely not, but they're still his people. And God promised to put a blessing upon them. Turn with me to Psalm 122. Again, if you don't have this psalm marked, you need to put it marked. Let me tell you, there are many enemies of Israel, even in this country. And they cannot prosper. They will be cursed. And let me tell you, if they become in charge of our country, and they get their plans across, we're going to see our blessings removed from this country. You see, we cannot divorce this from politics. This is necessary for the survival and the blessing of our own nation. But not as a nation, we also as individuals can be blessed. Which brings us to Psalm 122. Psalm 122. Notice what this psalm says. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built, builded as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up and the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel, give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment and the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions sake, I will now say peace be within thee. Because of the house of our Lord our God. I will seek thy Jerusalem's good. Notice verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. That love Jerusalem. We're supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're supposed to pray for the people of Israel. We're supposed to pray for the well-being. You said, but you understand, the Jewish people aren't right with God. It doesn't give a qualifier here. It doesn't matter if they're right with God or not. That is God's business. Our business is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. To pray for the Hebrew people. Let me tell you, I have a habit whenever I find a Hebrew person... Maybe they're in a bookstore or a cafe and they're reading the Torah. I go up to them on purpose and say, I want to shake your hand. I'm so thankful that you're one of God's people. How can I be a blessing to you? They look at me like I'm crazy. Well, you know what? I'm doing it on purpose. I want to be a blessing to God's people. God has not forgot his promises of the Hebrew people. Let me tell you, there are so many people that hate Jerusalem, that hate Israel. And they want to help the enemies of Jerusalem. You think of Edom. Those people around the Middle East still hate Jerusalem. The only reason why they don't attack is because they have America guarding their back. That and Israel beat them all in six days. <laughs> or seven days back in uh, the 50s and 60s. And they know that God has something special. And they want to. They hate them. They do everything they can. Let me tell you, God will not bless those people just like Edom. Let me tell you, the book of Obadiah is something that brings us to worldwide politics today. And it brings us to our responsibility today. To pray for the peace of Jerusalem. To pray for God's people. If you want to be personally blessed, pray for the peace of Israel. 
find a way to be a blessing to the Hebrew people. Even if they are not saved, find a way to be a blessing to God's people, to the people of Jerusalem. And we need to pray. You understand? Because there are so many people that hate God. And because they hate God, they will hate God's people. They will hate Israel. And we need to pray for our leaders. It doesn't matter who's president. We need to pray that they are surrounded by people with wise counsel. That they will not make bad decisions concerning the nation of Israel. You understand? Our prosperity of our country is based off the blessings of standing up for these people. And you yourself can be blessed as you be a blessing to those people. And so with that, what do we do with this? We need to pray for the peace of Israel. In just a moment, we're going to have a prayer time. We're going to do things differently tonight instead of having invitation. I want us all to participate in a corporate prayer as we pray for Israel together. And we need to get in the habit of praying for these people. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem Every day. We want the blessings of God. But we're not doing it in order to get his blessings. We're doing it because we should love what God loves. And God loves his people. God loves Jerusalem. He still has a plan for them. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Doesn't matter where they stand. God still loves them. And he wants to bless them. And we want to love what God loves. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.